we've got Jared, Colton, of course. Josiah, <laughs> Devin, Dylan, Garrett, Brandon with an E, Kieran, Cameron, Forrest, Dakota. Like these are all oh, the no. name of the recurring <laughs> shirtless character barista in a Baywatch reboot. That's what I've decided. Situation Room live stream podcast, whatever we're calling it these days. What's going on, everybody? Uh, so good to have you here. Thank you for pressing play. God, that was brave of you, you know? Real brave. Still didn't floss yesterday, did you? But you press play on this podcast. I didn't floss, actually. Sorry, this is not how I was hoping this stream would go today. Um, we've got such a good show today. Uh, you know, everything's still awful. Don't get me wrong. We're going to put a little spin on it. It is Father's Day. It is Juneteenth. That factors into a segment we're going to do at the end about how corporations are trying to um, relate to our newest holiday, even though nobody has a day off tomorrow, but whatever. It's a holiday, I guess. Um we talking about that. Uh, also talking about the January 6th hearings. The committee, the commission hearings are rolling on. 11 million people tuning in live. My God. I mean, more were definitely paying attention to Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, but whatever. There wasn't, you need to wave, you know, more fingers need to be cut off with vodka bottles. My only tip next time there's a little coup. Okay. Um, we're going to be talking about that. Also, um, little white nationalists arrested in the back of a U-Haul. Pretty adorable, if not also frightening. Um, they were on their way to a pride march uh, because they are fragile. So uh, we'll get into all that. And mostly the our, the bulk of our sitch today is going to be talking about the recall of District Attorney Chesa Boudin in San Francisco the narrative that was spun by the national media about how that recall symbolizes the country, even in democratic strongholds, simply aren't ready for any kind of criminal justice reform or any kind of moving of money away from policing or any kind of light lightening of sentences for, let's say, nonviolent uh, drug offenses, yada, 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 on and on and on, except none of that's true. Uh, Chessa might have lost this recall, um, but we're going to dig into why that narrative has actually been completely um, spun by a dishonest, uh, mostly corporate media. So we'll dig into that. We'll dig into also some elections uh, happening here in Los Angeles. Um, and my guess for that discussion uh, is Joe Eskenazi of Mission, Mission Local, a reporter there. So super excited to get his take. And then my comedian guest is Open Mike Eagle. Just uh, all around crusher, great on Twitter, rapper, comic, like, anyway, you got to know him. And I'm so proud and happy to have him on the show. Proud. I don't know why I said that, like, I'm a father on Father's Day. Um, but with all of that, guys, I'm super uh, happy to have you here. If you're here on YouTube, make sure you're liking and sharing the stream. If you're here 
listening as a podcast, remember, give this podcast five stars on iTunes right now. Stop down. Write some words. If you don't have enough words, just extend all the vowels in those words. Brilliant. Done and done. Write me a little review on how I would make a better father figure than your current father. Yeah, let's see. I want to see if you can do it. Um, and I want to let you guys know, of course, we've got bonus content on this show. Bonus material, extra hours after party. I don't know. I don't know. Um, for the patrons, patreon.com slash situation room is where you go to get access to that bonus content. And this week we're going to be talking about... How the GOP is taking aim at uh, one of the oldest and most glorious, most fabulous professions, and that is of the drag queen and drag shows. And it is pride, and uh, they have nothing else to do but get mad at people um, looking amazing, looking fly, and lip-syncing to Whitney Houston. So we're going to talk about that in the bonus uh, with Mike. Get his thoughts. There was a drag show for kids. And um, of course that triggered the right. And they're even now passing a bunch of laws about it. So we'll dig into that in the bonus. Patreon.com slash room. Remember, this show is literally thanks to you guys. Just thanks to you all. It does not happen without you. Five bucks a month. Ten bucks a month. Two bucks a month. You get a shout-out in the fart song if you are a $10 or more patron, as well as a bunch of other perks and bonuses. Um, and, you know, and my undying love. You know what I'm saying? Just undying. Okay, I'm going to shut up and let's get into what you're bitching about today. So I feel great because I came off of a two-week hiatus I got married I had a wedding it went off really wonderfully without a hitch except for one get it except for um we're already married because uh I had a shot I have a shotgun baby I am pregnant with a shotgun baby and for healthcare reasons we were like we need to get married right now so we can get out of Kaiser because I hate Kaiser it's the worst um so everything was great and then we got to the honeymoon location, went to Puerto Vallarta, and Matt took a test because he was not feeling well, and it turns out he had COVID. So we spent the next five days. Now, a lot of people are like, you're back already from your honeymoon. I'm like, motherfuckers, how long are people taking on their honeymoon? I don't understand this, like, three-week-long honeymoon. Like, we just spent way too much money on a wedding. You think we have money for honeymoon? No. So, uh, five days of sleeping in separate rooms. Me and a cot. I gave Matt the bed because he's big. And even though I'm pregnant, whatever, I'm a nice person. And, uh, and we still hung out. You know, we ate outdoors. We masked. We were those people that you see masked in cars. And you're like, I wonder what's going on here. And you're like, oh, it, this is not an Uber driver situation. You're just keeping distant from one another. Um, Proud to say, maybe because I was sick in March, but me and the unborn here, so far COVID-free, Matt is getting better. 
I think he might have had the BA2. I don't know, whatever the newest strain is. Um, but it kind of sucked. And but, you know, whatever. I don't even I don't like to do like water sports anyway. And he probably would have just begged me to go on like a jet ski had he been well. So it was gorgeous. It was wonderful. I just am a little bit bitching that uh, I had a virginal honeymoon. And I'm definitely going to be writing a lot of material about everything that went down because it was I mean, nobody actually went down. Let's be real. Because you can't wear a mat anyway. You guys get what I'm trying to say. Um, That's all. That's my major complaint. Oh, yeah. Also, fascism. I came back to this country and was like, oh, it's still here. Oh, we still doing the fascism. Is it still on? Oh, fuck. Right? Every time you go away, you're like, maybe it's better now. It's not. It's worse. All right. With that, let me bring in a critically acclaimed rapper, musician, host of the podcast, Secret Skin, and what had happened was, and he is a comedian. Please welcome Open Mike Eagle. Hello. Hello, Mike. How are you? I'm good. That intro was riveting. I was on the edge of my office chair the entire time. That was great. (laughs) You mean about the honeymoon? All of it. Oh, thank All you. of it. There's a lot of twists and turns in there. Thank you. Oh, yeah. I've, I'm very good with differing cadence in order to make things seem more exciting that actually are you're, kind of mundane. You are, you're telling people how the sausage is made. You're <laughs> you're brave. <laughs> What's a fart song? What is the, oh, the fart song? What's a fart the song? fart song is a um, royalty-free song by our patron musician uh um i'm gonna forget his name now um daniel i think his name is daniel mcleod god damn it you guys it's been so long i hope that's right because that's real that's really fucked his name is his last name is mcleod and he puts out a bunch of royalty free stuff and the fart song is i think his real his uh what do you call it when it's like your like masterpiece as a musician it's like your opus grand or your his yeah his calling card or something i don't know your magnum opus thank you Paige. yeah there we go it's his his magnum opus, and I forgot his name. Um, so McLeod made a fart song. Huh? He did make a make a fart song, hmm. okay. and it's good. And so you're gonna have to wait. And so during the fart song, I had to give a shout out to everyone who's ever supported the show. Oh, I, I get to experience. Oh it. yeah, that's what I didn't realize. I was so intrigued. I thought I might have to like subscribe to the Patreon or something because I just <laughs> had to know. But I get to experience it, which is even better. Um, Mike, what are you bitching about today? Oh, man. So, okay. Um, I actually don't know a lot of news right now. And the reason I don't is because it pisses me off so easily. So I just logged into Twitter one day this week randomly and like all lives matter was trending. Oh, God. <laughs> like, why? Why? Why still? And it seemed like it was because some right wing, I think, congressperson tweeted something about if all lives matter matters bothers you, then you're racist. And it it actually triggered it triggered all of the 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 hatred and bad energy in my body. It all like it, like I went on like a tweet storm yeah. mm. about how like it started with how you know the reason that term is offensive is because it is an inappropriate response to the term Black Lives Matter because of. The, the, the term was born in a context of black people being murdered uh, 
with uh with impunity right and and that whole feeling like that we desperately want to discuss and we say black lives matter because we are often served a reality in which it doesn't feel like that's true so um all lives matter is a really inappropriate response to that indeed um and so my tweet storm kind of started with that and then kind of went um further into how a lot of the right wing uh strategy around dealing with issues is to separate a term from what it means and and put us in a situation where we're having a semantics argument yes rather than actually talking about the stuff that we're upset about like they're so good at that and it bothers me to no end and so that's that's what i'm bitching about i'm bitching about how how we we can't really talk about stuff because we have to talk about what words mean for sure and we're still here and i feel like it's funny because you like i think even like a lot of like liberals or leftists or progressives however they identify will concede that yes on all lives matter and the black lives matter like that it actually is a super benign slogan and Mm -hmm. that it you know, I think it was Michael Che who's like, just matters, doesn't, you know, just matters, just here. Um, and Nato Green, who's often on the show, has a bit about it being like, you know, look, it's this is how a conversation works, buddy. Like, I say this right. is what's happening. You don't deny that. You just listen. Um, right. But I think that we do the same thing with the defund the police thing, where it's like, we mm-hmm. miss the point of that slogan and people from all walks, whether it's the right or even the left are like, nah, but it's a bad slogan. And you're like, well, okay, then, but what about the fucking idea behind it? What about the actual problem with the police in the world that we're attempting to actually do something about? How about we talk about that right. part, but we can never talk about that. Because part you chose the, because... the wrong slogan, which to me is debatable, whether it's the quote unquote wrong slogan. But even if I conceded that it was, it's like, well, what, well, okay, so we can't move past the slogan. But, the, you know, the funny thing to me, though, is that, like, so with defund the police, at least that is a slogan in which making it controversial is kind of easy, right? But, like, critical race theory, <laughs> that took, it took some real acrobatics, to make critical race theory into like a buzzword. <laughs> that, so many like, think tanks. You can imagine like like the ethnic studies professor when they first found out that it was trending, they were like, oh shit. Yeah. yeah. So happy. <laughs> and dawns so on happy. Them. Their their life's work finally. <laughs> dawns on them. God damn it. And it's like Lauren Bobert. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, no, no. Yep. Uh, well, it's a good thing to bitch so about. That, that bothers me. To yeah. come back to that Twitter me, and yeah. social media and realize it's still trash. You know, and like, oh. Yeah, and, and it's like to the point where, you know, I think Black Lives Matter, all, all Lives Matter, like that debate, that back and forth, that was like five years so ago. So old. But it's still like a weapon to be used in the culture war. Right. You know, and we still haven't talked about police brutality in a couple years. Right. No. Or just like lives in general and protecting yeah. them, like living lives, not unliving right. lives, not the unborn, mm. you know, like 
kids right. in schools being gunned down um, if they actually cared about life. Anywho, we digress. We got to move on to what happened this week. But first, a little bit of a roundup. Uh, Joe Biden was filmed falling off of his bike while at the beach after his foot got caught in the pedal. And he immediately called for refunding the police. Uh, turns out <laughs> Georgia Republican Senate candidate and former college football star Herschel Walker, who has waxed about absent black fathers, has three secret kids whose moms have had to take him to court from time to time. So happy Father's Day. I don't know. Like, what do you get a father like that? Do you get him like a razor so he can, you know, slit his wrists out of embarrassment? <laughs> <laughs> Um, a GOP pack that took down Madison Cawthorn is now alleging that Representative Lauren Boebert was a paid escort to wealthy Republicans through SugarDaddy.com and that she had two abortions, one of which was at Planned Parenthood in Colorado that she presently is trying to defund. Um, obviously, if true, it further proves how hypocritical Republicans are. But to me, like not enough people abort the zygotes of rich Republicans and like Honestly, mm. mad respect. Like I'm if she had 10, I'd be like, yes, yes, queen. <laughs> Go. Yeah. I mean, but isn't that the funny thing about their stance publicly is that we all know. We all know all those guys cheat on their wives and get women pregnant constantly, constantly. and pay for abortions. Like we know this. Yep. But you know, the the gall. They're all they're, them with the gall. They always have the yeah, gall. Yeah, they do. Man, I want to find that gall. Um, like the gall to run Herschel Walker as a Senate candidate. He was a football player in the 80s. Do you, can you imagine how much shit there is to unearth about him? The mountains of cocaine. Mountains. <laughs> so much. Oh uh, all right. Well, kids between the age of six months and five years old in the United States can finally get vaccinated for COVID-19. And yes, as every QAnon anti-vaxxer knows, if you drink the adrenochrome of those children, you can get your second booster shot even if you're not yet eligible. So hurry the fuck up. Oh, they're going to clip that one. They're going to clip that one. Yeah, that they, going yeah, far and wide. Going wide. Uh, news from, the Uval um, from Uvalde. The police responding to the school massacre um, apparently didn't even try to open the classroom door where the shooter was killing kids for 77 minutes. So so they didn't they didn't even try the handle. This is not like oh didn't God. have the key, didn't have the equipment. They didn't even jiggle the handle. Um, they claimed that they didn't have a hall pass and they just didn't want to get in trouble. Oh. And finally, Apple workers have formed their first union in Maryland. And Tim Cook is probably scrambling to offer more perks to workers. Something like, I don't know, a free iPhone charger. You know, like the <laughs> one that used to come in the fucking box. But you have to pay for it. He's like, could I give you more iCloud storage? I don't know. I'm just, that's a bad joke, but I'm happy for them and for everything else. This is the week where. So this was the week where the January 6th hearings continued on. Some sessions with incredible ratings, as we've mentioned. Uh, we learned a few things. We learned that a representative named, um, I think his name is Barry Loudermilk. Just a very unfortunate, like, <laughs> did his mom name him that as he was, like, screaming for the boob? Like, just wants, he just gets louder for the milk. Um, all right. So he he gave a tour to some of the, the same dudes 
who broke into the Capitol, uh, the same rioters, just a day before. There's a new video about that. Um, We also learned that there was a lot of internal Trump lawyer drama around what was legal, what was most definitely illegal, Um, specifically a guy named John Eastman, who was one of his lawyers, who was trying to basically argue that, yes, the vice president on the dais, the day of that he's supposed to, like, um, you know, confirm all the electors and the election results can just decide that he's not going to do that and give the presidency to the other team um, and just decide who's going to be president. But here is Trump lawyer Eric Hirschman giving his thoughts specifically on that strategy that uh, Eastman was floating so many days up to the riots. He described for me what he thought the ambiguity was in the statute. And he was walking through it at that time. And I said, hold on a second. I want to understand what you're saying. You're saying that you believe the vice president acting as president of the Senate can be the sole decision maker as to, under your theory, who becomes the next president of the United States. And you said, yes. And I said, are you out of your effing mind? Right. And I, well, that was pretty blunt. I said, you're completely crazy. I said, you're going to turn around and tell 78 plus million people in this country that your theory is this is how you're going to invalidate their votes because you think the election was stolen. And I said, they're not going to tolerate that. I said, you're going to cause riots in the streets. And he said, words to the effect of there's been violence in the history of our country, Eric, to protect the democracy or protect the republic. So effectively, it wouldn't be the first time. Who cares? Um, uh, I, you know, I, I, I really wanted to listen to him, but that art, I, the art, uh, <laughs> he is a, he is a black bat. This is justice and metal scalps. <laughs> On his wall, I don't. Mike is room rating uh, the the lawyer right now. There, <laughs> I just have so many questions. Like, why is he doing? Why is he live streaming from Mocha? Why? <laughs> okay, there's also like a an apoc like it looks. It's a panda slash apocalypse now movie poster. It's like panda apocalypse oh, now. Like he's like the panda slowly going into the water. Yeah, there's some bad art happening behind him. But what about the substance? He's saying. Oh. You're out of your effing mind. I think he means fucking mind. Um, <laughs> I think. And and essentially, like, everyone thought Eastman was crazy. Everyone thought that Eastman um, was, was peddling something illegal. And actually, it seems like this guy, John Eastman himself, kind of, like, dabbled in it. Is this legal? Is it not legal? He eventually admitted that it was not legal. And then he continued to support it. He was on the stage next to Trump and a lot of speakers on January 6th. He's there looking like a weird Dick Tracy type character. <laughs> um, and But the best part is that he, he ultimately knew what he was advocating for was illegal. And so he tried to cover his ass by asking for a pardon from Rudy Giuliani. And this is an email on, on how exactly he worded that ask. Dr. Eastman emailed Rudy Giuliani and requested that he be included on a list of potential recipients of a presidential pardon. Dr. Eastman's email stated, quote, 
I've decided that I should be on the pardon list, if that is still in the works. Dr. Eastman did not receive his presidential pardon. (laughs) Narrator voice. He did not receive his presidential pardon. (laughs) I don't even think Giuliani received his presidential pardon. I mean, let alone any lawyer fees. That dude is obviously, I've said this, paid in like Kirkland whiskey. Um, (laughs) But so I just love the, I've been thinking, I've decided that I should probably be on the presidential pardon list. If that's still in the works, there's so much like, like, sycophant but also like (laughs) like trying to do both you know right it's like what is the what is the boldest way i can appear scared (laughs) exactly and so someone grabbed that line and put it like put it in a still of tom wamsgans from succession (laughs) and it's just the fucking best i've 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 decided i should be on the presidential pardon list if 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 that's still in the works you know oh my god how many presidential pardon lists have been made by obvious criminals themselves? <laughs> How often does that happen? I feel like this was the one instance where we truly felt like, oh, no, you're not. The criminals are just writing it themselves. Whereas like before, yeah. I think that like Obama or Clinton pardoned like a friend of a friend. Like there was one or two sort of transgressions. Um I was like on a plane watching live television when Obama pardoned Chelsea Manning and I was crying. Very oh. happy. Yeah. And then uh, Julian Assange, which, by the way, didn't make the roundup, but uh, never got that pardon from Trump that he wanted. Um, obviously, mm. free Julian Assange. I think he's a little bit of a dipshit slash a big dipshit, but I don't think he should be extradited to the United States. But it is funny. I'm so confused. I'm so confused about all of that. I don't know how to, I stopped knowing. I stopped knowing what to think and feel about Julian Assange a few years ago. Oh, I think now. that's for the best. I, no I mean, I mean, yeah. the main thing is let's protect freedom of the press and whistleblowers and all that. And he should not be extradited to the United States. But also, he most definitely was a back channel for the Trump administration because he was hedging his bets. He believed Trump would pardon mm-hmm. him. He was in touch with like a bunch of Trump uh, officials in the lead up to the 2016 election um, and was probably responsible for the DNC leaks. Like this is, I right. mean, I know people will just call me like a Russia gator, but that's the backstory. The guy's been very lost to say nothing of his, you know, alleged uh, uh, sexual misconduct. So we've gotten off track, Mike. The point <laughs> is, the point is thusly something. Trump was mad because Mike Pence didn't obviously hand him the election. And actually, we found out a little bit more about what Mike Pence did and didn't do. I'm curious. Do you think this is hero shit or this is just the bare minimum shit? So, yes, he certified the electors in Biden's favor. When the Capitol was under attack, we now know that he didn't actually leave the Capitol building, even though his entire staff got into their SUVs and were like, let's go. Let's get the fuck out of here. And he was like. No, if I leave, that's a major look of cowardice on my part. I don't want to give them this satisfaction. These this mob that's chanting "Hang Mike Pence" because I won't do what essentially Trump wants him to do. Um, we know that uh, Mike Pence watched from the Capitol building the video of Trump essentially saying that he loves you, like he loves all the people who came out, but it's time to go home. 
We know that he never called um, Mike Pence. Trump never called Mike Pence mm. after the riot broke out and after the Capitol was stormed to check in on him. Right. How you doing? But weirdly, and I don't know how familiar you are with uh, Dan Quayle. I mean, there really isn't much to know about him. Um, I know he couldn't spell to that's exactly it that's the only yeah, thing but apparently he didn't like ellen degeneres yeah. wait wait what about ellen degeneres didn't he dislike ellen degeneres because she decided to be a gay human on television i think that, that there was right he had a problem with that that, yeah. that feels on on brand for dan quayle uh, apparently mike pence consulted with dan quayle to be like yo can i do this though and even dan quayle was like i have no idea how to spell <laughs> Anything constitution beats me. I don't know how to spell it. Is there a K in there? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but I know that you definitely can't overturn the results of a democratic election. Um, so we know all this stuff about Mike Pence. And there was this phone call that happened before the Capitol was stormed, not not after, but before, um, where Trump got very mad at uh mike pence and according to a couple of staffers and including i believe ivanka trump you're going to hear from a um an aide to ivanka explaining how that phone call went down did you hear any part of the phone call even if just this the end that the president was speaking from i did yes all right and what'd you hear so as i was dropping off the note um i, I my memory i remember hearing the word wimp either he called him a wimp I don't remember if he said, you are a wimp, you'll be a wimp. Wimp is the word I remember. And the the word that she relayed to that the president called the vice president, I apologize for being impolite, but do you remember what she said her father called him? The P word. Wow. The P word. The P word. The P word. That's a, that's a, that's a shook ass pussy. I'm sorry. Uh, she should she should she should have said pussy with pride she should have she should have really said it i think the p word is so it's like a s word also is okay i don't know what you you mean s hole i think you remember when trump said shithole countries about oh yeah 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 yeah, brown countries and uh, everyone saying s hole countries like first that sounds worse don't say s hole yeah (laughs) Because then my imagination just starts going, which hole is that? <laughs> like, no, you got to be specific. You got to be specific. Um, yeah. So apparently he called him a, a wimp and a pussy to his face or on the phone um, because he wouldn't overturn the election. And I like. Mike, you're you're Mike Pence. What do you what do you do? What do you decide? Why? Where do you go from here? What's your political career look like after this? You think? I mean, look, honestly, I think if he wanted to. He could run for president this next cycle and he could win. You think so? Because I absolutely do. Because where ah, the Republican Party has thrown their lot in with Trump, I think a lot of people had a massive realization while he was president. Mike Pence was on the front row to watch uh, all of us realize how many of our political institutions um, are not bound by anything. <laughs> Except for like handshakes and goodwill. Like that's what we all kind of realize is how much of this is just it's just theater and tradition. Mm-hmm. And if you if you want to bad enough, you can burn it all down. Right. And and I think most Republicans, as much as they've thrown their lot in with Trump, they actually don't want to burn it all down. I think they actually don't. Mm-hmm. 
I think that like people's psychology does want some sense of order. They want, I don't think anybody wants to think about politics as much as we have oh, to God, now no. because we know it's all at our doorstep now. So I think that like, I think Mike Pence did a really smart thing by separating himself from that utter chaos in that moment, because if he had chosen to make that decision, then we have no future. Yes. <laughs> like he would have completely destroyed the democratic process. Like, because even as much as Trump was trying to tear that down, right. He's going to fucking run again. So obviously he believes in it a little right. bit, right. Or else he wouldn't be trying to participate in the process. Right. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I feel like we're going to see, we saw there were, you know, some primaries this, this last Tuesday and that, um, I'm blanking on his name, but that, you know, one of the very few Republican senators, um, no representative, excuse me, who voted to impeach Donald Trump was he was defeated in his primary um, kind of on. It seems like on those grounds. And we'll see what happens with Liz Cheney, who polling apparently in Wyoming, not looking good in her favor. And she's the face of this entire January 6th commission. Um, and the hearings. And there's a lot of Republicans who are testifying. That's uh, the thing that I think is really notable about these hearings. It's not Democrats. It's not Adam Schiff. It's not the people who sort of led the impeachment hearings. It is a whole lot of Republicans kind of saying what you're saying, like we can't do away with the Democratic process. Um, right. Here's what that would mean. Um, so that that being said, all of these motherfuckers are setting themselves up through massive amounts of voter suppression and new voter ID laws and what have you for the same kind of BS uh, in mm. come 2024, but excuse me, but legal legalized, right. legalized stealing of an election. Um, I feel like all half of them, maybe not Liz Cheney, maybe not Kissinger, who's not running for reelection, but I think half of Republicans who didn't like what happened on January 6th were like, nah, see, if you just did it a different way, we would be fine with it, right. you know? Yeah, the gerrymandering way they're still comfortable with. Sure. You know, they're, they're very comfortable with that level of gamesmanship. But the outright uh, disillusion of our traditions and institutions, you know, publicly, I think they had an right. issue with. So, yeah, we'll see for Pence. I mean, I think he... He may have a future. I don't know. Is Paul Ryan. I'm always afraid of Paul Ryan. It's like three in the morning and I'm like, what the fuck is Paul Ryan doing? That dude. <laughs> I mean, but I'm sure he, he got paid by the financial lobby so much. I don't think he has a thing to ever worry about ever again. I feel like he's always good. Well, that's the thing with these Republicans is that if they do choose to leave politics, mm -hmm. the future is this. Get a job at CNN or MSNBC, lucrative, well-paid, whatever. Um, start a podcast. Uh, or just become a lobbyist or a, for a lobbyist, fucking yeah. financial institution. Exactly. Just make tons of money that way. So you're going to be mm -hmm. fine. You don't have to stick your neck out anymore um, if it all goes to shit. Anyway, um, speaking of pieces of poo, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> this is the week where 31 members of the white supremacist group of virgins, Patriot Front, was arrested on their way to disrupt a pride march in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Um, I've been to Coeur d'Alene. It's pretty. It's pretty conservative as well. <laughs> how far? How far is it from Boise? Because that's the only thing. I think it's Idaho pretty far. I think it's much more north. Okay. Um, yeah, you get you. The, you get the more uh, further away from Boise you are, the the scareder I get. Idaho is yeah. very frightening. 
Like it apparently like it's speaking of like conservatives who are like, I don't want this, but I definitely don't want abortion rights, but I don't want like Nazis. They're in a whole battle over there. Um, Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, these Patriot Front dudes were arrested because they were acting insanely sus. Um, A concerned citizen called police Saturday afternoon to report. This is last Saturday. 20 people jumping into a U-Haul in a local hotel parking lot, the chief said. Um, The group was equipped with shields and masks that looked like a little army, the caller said. They were also all dressed in khakis and had the same hats and masks on. I just, I don't know why I'm reminded of like the Forrest Gump scene where he like, he's the one who calls on water, on the Watergate, like break in. And he's like, (laughs) yeah, there are some men in a (laughs) U-Haul. Now, I don't know much about anything, but you should not be riding around a U-Haul like that. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, but here here, here they are on their knees, arrested and getting grass stains in them khakis. So Patriot Front got pulled over. They were all piled in the U-Haul and they are all detained. There you go. Mm. Okay, why are they letting them keep the masks on? Why are they doing that? Well, that was then. I mean, they were unmasked and their mm-hmm. names actually were revealed. Um, mostly they were charged with misdemeanor and intention to riot. Um, they were held on a $300 bail each. Eh. Um, and so, and they did release their names. A lot of young men. And my favorite part is what their names are. Um, okay. let's just listen. I'm just going to read you some first names. Oh, I can't okay. wait. There were 31 of them. I'm going to give you about half of that. Okay. We've got Jared Colton. Of course. Josiah <laughs> Devin. Dylan, Garrett, Brandon with an E, Kieran, Cameron, Forrest, Dakota. Like these are all the name of the recurring shirtless character barista in a Baywatch reboot. That's what I've decided. (laughs) I've decided these guys are all like, hey, Dakota, I'm Forrest. Oh, sorry. God. And okay, so they are all really young. Okay, so let's let's dig into exactly what happened, right? So they planned their action in Coeur d'Alene, and it is a part of a pattern of targeting LGBTQ plus people. The group in 2021 defaced a pride mural in Olympia. They do that a lot. They they love to. They get very very triggered by uh, the Black Lives Matter sign, etc. Um, their slogans are "Reclaim America." Um, their manifesto calls for a quote hard reset on the nation we see. Hard reset, hmm. yeah. gamer term, surprising. <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out. As it faces complete annihilation, as our culture and heritage are attacked from all sides. Weird. I wonder what you, who's our? What culture is that? Um, they host a they hoist a 20 foot wide banner in demonstrations that read strong families make strong nations, even as membership has fractured relationships in their own households. And that is very clear because one of their dads 
Um, what are their, first of all, a mom already kicked his, her, her, her son out of the house over this action. I'm guessing it was Colton. Um, <laughs> Skyler. There was definitely a Skyler in there. This is a father. So, um, an Ellensburg resident, Bruce Simpson, Ellensburg, I believe in Washington, uh, the father of Spencer Simpson. He said he heard his 20 year old son come home at night after returning from jail, uh, from jail in Idaho last week. Um, and then he tried to talk some sense into his son. He told him he knew that he was, you know, dabbling in the Patriot front. He told him, I, I told him the problem with the far right is that they've never been correct. He said, pointing to the history of advances in civil rights. Born in Ellensburg, Spencer Simpson led an idyllic life growing up, his father said, mm. becoming an Eagle Scout and getting involved with the Civil Air Patrol. He described Spencer as an introvert who finished high school amid the COVID-19 pandemic and had just completed his college finals before traveling to Idaho. Um. I'm just reminded of like what that fucking Buffalo shooter said about why he did what he did beyond being a racist fuck was he was like, I was bored. And so I became radicalized. I was like, I was just online bored. And then that reminded me of like Ijoma Oluo's quote where she's like, we will never be safe until white manhood is defined by something other than the quest for domination over others. Like, yeah. And, and that, and it's like, no matter how much we want to ignore and obviously be like, it's so painful to have to make these little shits, the center of the conversation that that, that's because that's what they want. I think a lot of people are wondering, yeah, what the, how do you de-radicalize a bored, aimless white kid who's online, you know, during the summer between graduation and college or whatever he's doing and just like, I don't know, give me an ideology. It's like, isn't Rogan enough for you? Mm. (laughs) But, you know, Rogan's such a faux intellectual, you know, like... He R- Rogan obviously thinks he's the smartest guy in the room, yeah. right? And he, and he breaks everything down to a hyper-intellectual debate that removes context from everything. And I think that what these, what these misguided white youth are missing is context, right? Mm-hmm. Like they all, they all listen to music that has been, um, you know, birthed by people from other cultures mixing with American culture. They play games that are designed by people from other cultures mixed with American, like, Yet they somehow uh, have this lack of context that allows them to think that America is just white man. Right. You know, which which is which is a it's a it's a tricky place to land. And I think like, you know, if they're at that point already and they're 24 on the Internet, it's probably too late. Like they needed to have some education done far before then. Maybe with some critical race theory. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and this is the thing, like. I mean, as we like celebrate Juneteenth, I mean, I'm just seeing everywhere. Everyone's like, yeah, well, in the future, no one will know what Juneteenth is because it'll be illegal to even teach that it exists and it celebrates the Mm. actual end of slavery. Um, Because it's seen because even looking at our history is seen as being political. Um, I'm just like, can't we get back into like Frisbee golf or you know like what I, well, I don't know what else do like like you you're so right the the hippie movement 
has missed out on an entire generation of young white men. Like hacky sack sales must be. Oh my God. Plummeting. I was into jam bands. I've talked about this on the show before. Nothing but white dudes. Nothing but like, right. you know, maybe we, I don't know. I, do they get to dread their hair again? And it's not problematic. I'd let them. <laughs> if it meant if it meant less shooting of black people at the supermarket, yes, please, please put the honey and peanut butter in your hair. Make it happen, okay? Um, I'm sorry for saying something in the first place. If this right, right. If the white dreads were the thing that did it, I mean, and yeah. and for me, I keep coming back to like grunge music. This is the last thing I'll say, but like yeah. grunge. Pearl Jam, Nirvana, it was great. It was like disaffected, mad. I mean, punk was the same way. I mean, it wasn't all yeah. white, obviously. Grunge was pretty white. Um, and it was in that region, like the like Pacific Northwest. Northwest, yeah. You know, everyone with their fucking flannels, just like super broody. Like grunge kind of got that. And then it it didn't last. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. We need We need Kurt. Where are you, Kurt? <laughs> Kurt would be MAGA. What if he was MAGA? He'd... No, 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 no. There's no way. There's yeah, no I way. He, I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> no. Yeah. Let's not even entertain that thought. We gotta move on. Um, bringing in for uh, our discussion for the Sitch. Um, he's an editor and columnist at Mission Local in San Francisco, uh, the Northern California branch of the Society of Professional Journalists. Named him the 2019 Journalist of the Year. Please welcome Joe Eskenazi. Thank you for having me on the show. No worries. Thank you so much for being here. Um, so uh, there was uh, California just had elections, primary elections, some recall elections. You have been covering this recall of D.A. Chesa Boudin in San Francisco. Um, and my question is, how did he do so much crime in such a short amount of time of being in office? Like, how did... How was one man able to orchestrate all the crime in San Francisco in such a short amount of time? It's really remarkable. Uh, <laughs> the crime he did even before he got into office, the crime from my childhood in the 70s when San Francisco had uh, a murder rate, triple what it is now, and uh, yep. roving teams of serial killers. Um, the man is just an overachiever. <laughs> just like Inception. He's a time-traveling crime uh, creator over there. No, obviously we're being facetious because this whole thing is ridiculous so tell me about the recall vote what what did the i know that a lot of um a lot of outlets already wrote their think pieces while the votes were still being counted um what did it come down to ultimately and what is your sort of like main takeaway about why chesa was ultimately recalled well thank you for asking uh there are two major questions here which is why did what happened happen and how did all the national pieces get it wrong? Mm. Which one would you like me to go into first? <laughs> Either one. <laughs> I need well, education. Let's, let's start with the first one, which is more important, rather than just playing tit for tat with the New York Times and the Atlantic and other places yeah. that normally do good work, but you know, had the really did have their elbow on the pulse of uh, the Bay Area. Uh, <laughs> Chase Boudin, uh, uh, the the website recall Chase Boudin was taken out before he even took office. It was very predictable that Chase Boudin would um, have to stave off a recall. Mm. And separate and apart from his ideology, uh, this is part of the structure of how he came into office. In San Francisco, we have ranked choice voting. Uh, should I explain what that is for people? 
Yes. Okay. Ranked choice voting uh, on its face is very simple, which is that like, you know, Joe and Francesca and Mike are all running for office. And I like Mike best, so I'm voting for him first. But I like Francesca second best. I'm voting for her second. I like Joe third best. I'm voting for him third. Now, if Mike is eliminated, all of his second place votes go to Francesca and 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 therefore mm-hmm. it goes mm-hmm. on. There are lots of strategies. It's just like Dungeons and Dragons or anything like that. You can, you know, there are strategies that, you know, that someone who wants to prevent someone from going to office can vote differently, et cetera. And, you know, tabulating it, it does become a little bit complicated uh, to understand the votes, but it, you know, there are computer programs for this. It doesn't take longer, et cetera. But, you know, what it means is that you can become a, you can win with 35, 37, 38% of the first place vote as long as you get second place right. votes. That means in a situation like this where Chase Boudin it's just, you know, it's him on the on the ballot versus nobody else, Chesa or nobody. He's at a huge disadvantage because he never had more than 36 or 37 percent of the first place votes. He never really tried hard to get that, you know, other 13, 14, 15 percent. Chesa Boudin is a is a reformer and, and, you know, governed as if he had a mandate. And and clearly that was never the mm-hmm. case. Were San Franciscans wild about Chesa Boudin's ideas? Perhaps they were. Perhaps they weren't. There are a number of reasons people voted for him. He ran the best campaign. And also Mayor London Breed put his competitor into that position 24 hours before voting started. That was a crass political flex. Everybody could see that that was bogus. A lot of people probably voted for him because of that. So, you know, that means when it finally comes down to do you like this guy or not, he was at a structural disadvantage. Mm -hmm. Uh, In retrospect, it seems very obvious now that rather than let the paint dry on the narrative that crime is out of control and this guy won't prosecute they should have combated that while the signatures were being gathered that didn't happen mm. and that narrative did take a uh, hold uh the narrative that crime is out of control fueled by viral videos of people on bicycles clearing out uh, a walgreens right. uh other you know things that people can see just with their own eyes here in san francisco of rampant drug use and homelessness gave the impression that things are out of control and things have never been worse i'm not here to say things are great in san francisco but statistics are what mm-hmm. they are and things have been worse <clears throat> things have almost always been worse and uh, property crime is bad. Property crime shouldn't be excused. Property crime is not violent crime. And so I have to say for people who have the luxury of saying, oh, my car window has been broken, et cetera, they can get very frustrated and that's, and that's worthwhile and that's, and that's not to be minimized. That's not the district attorney's mm-hmm. fault. Hmm. The district attorney statistically prosecuted at as high or higher a level than his predecessors because he wasn't trying to put everybody in jail and lock them up and throw away the key, which is what he ran on. Um, you know, if you're going to say that if he, if he only, he was more punitive, things would be different. You're buying into the bankrupt, uh, ethos of the, the, the war on drugs, etc. Uh, what's really harmful is to not have any repercussions whatsoever to not arrest somebody, to have somebody able to commit crimes willfully. And that's the case in San Francisco because our police force has the lowest arrest rate in the entire state by a huge margin. It's like the Kansas City Royals. I've made this allusion elsewhere. They're in last place by a lot, by a lot. And San Francisco's arrest rate is far lower than the 57th place uh, county. We're the 58th place county. And it becomes very hard to say that San Francisco police weren't doing a sit-down strike. Mm. It's very hard to say mm. that, that, uh, that this wasn't essentially a protection racket in which the police said, we're demoralized. We can't do our jobs. He won't prosecute. Uh, well, here's more money. There you go. And is it a protection racket? Is it not? It's a distinction. Without so a tell me about that a little bit uh, more about that in terms of, yeah, like because the, the police were very much opposed to Chesa Boudin's 
uh, Chase Aboudin's, um, you know, becoming the district attorney. Um, talk about that a little bit more and talk about also what people get wrong about who is responsible, um, who, what, what the DA can do and what the DA cannot do. I could do that. Uh, I think it will be for the best if I went and locked the door because I can hear small children in the oh, background. No. So give Keep me them out. Mm-hmm. Keep them away. It's Father's Day. How dare you get to podcast. Open mic is already. <laughs> They're doing a recall father election over there. <laughs> this would not be the first time that they in, uh, interfered. So what can Chase Boudin do? Chase Boudin is not Batman. Chase Boudin cannot go out and catch people <laughs> on his own right. and, and try them and put them into jail. It, you know, like you saw on Law and Order, there are two separate but equally important branches of the criminal justice system, Kung Kung. And if the police don't <laughs> arrest people and, press ch- and, and make charges, the DA can't can't move right. forward. In San Francisco, the police overall arrest rate is at about eight uh, percent. For for violent crime, it's at thirty percent. And you know, if they're going to prioritize violent crime, it's very hard to say like that's a bad thing. Right. But uh, it shows that for property crime, it's at around four percent. You know, 15 out of 16 cases are not getting an arrest. Right. And so for all the people who say that San Francisco is soft and people are trying to target San Francisco because they know they're going to get a sweetheart deal from the DA, that is counterintuitive. Criminals don't go around thinking, oh, they're going to charge me with a wobbler and I'm going to, you know, I could, you know, plead out. And it's like, no, I'm not going to get caught. I'm not going to get caught. Mm-hmm. I can go to San Francisco and I'm not right. going to get caught. And that's the case because in San Francisco, they don't do follow up. They don't dust for prints. You know, the mm-hmm. whole... The whole situation, if you've ever seen The Big Lebowski, where he asks, are you going to get these guys? Do you have any leads? And, and, and the policeman laughs at him and says, yeah, we got boys in the crime lab working on it. Yeah. You know, uh, it's eerily similar to San Francisco, wherein, if you remember in The Big Lebowski, uh, that the dude did indeed find the name of the person who stole his car in the test that was left in the seat. That kind of stuff happens here. They don't do follow up. Mm-hmm. They don't do follow up. There's no dusting for prints and all that kind of stuff like that. So, you know, we have a lower arrest rate, you know, they don't solve the crimes, et cetera. And when people complain about it, this is somewhat anecdotal, but it's happened again and again and again and again, where people say, where the police say, oh, don't bother, don't bother making the report because the DA won't prosecute. And these are not cases of of a window being broken. These are cases of of assault or cases of like a crazy person with a knife, situations where you don't want people uh, out on the street to do it again and again. So that happens. Also, there were Multiple recorded instances here of police watching burglars clear out a store, right. police wow. watching criminals who, who the witnesses says, that's him. That's the guy that assaulted the bus driver. Yeah. Walk yeah. away. Just doing nothing. So that gets back to the earlier situation of, is there a wildcat strike going on? You know, is, is this, you know, is this a situation where, where people are just not doing their jobs? And, and in this case, unlike so many other jobs, when you don't do your job, you get rewarded with more money. <laughs> you get rewarded with more manpower. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, as far as being defunded, San Francisco never defunded its police. Nobody ever defunded their police. And, and separate from what you said at the beginning of this uh, show, I think it is a terrible slogan. <laughs> but, but but the fact of the matter is, like, like have other people do this and pay them instead is a little bit like less less people who don't have less guns snappy. kill people. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not as snappy, right? So, like, in San Francisco, we are actually trying to do that, but the police have a bigger budget than they've ever had. And the notion that, like, we can have more police and crime will go down is, is given as intuitive, mm. you know, and people are wrapping themselves in the police, you know, such as, as, as um, you know, people used to wrap themselves in the flag. Talk to me. And, and that's the big bet here. Talk to me about the forces beyond the police. And I know I want to talk about a little about the mayor, but beyond the police, 
what about the billionaires? What about the tech um, VCs? What about um, also maybe separate who don't even live here? Who don't? Okay, even live yeah. Here. So, so who were those? Who were those folks who sort of put their finger on the scale, and why? Well, I mean, it's just as if the worst people you see on Twitter are able to throw down money. And the fact that the person who was the head of the recall committee uh, was a longtime real estate lobbyist and was able to get lots of money from real estate interests mm. is no big surprise. Uh, so once you are able to pay people 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 bucks a signature, uh, it's not challenging for it to get onto the ballot. And once it's on the ballot, Chase Boudin was was uh, in big trouble because of the uh, what I mentioned before. Also that People are angry in San Francisco. Mm. It's almost like it's almost like the fire fest of cities. I pay mm. this much and I'm getting this. <laughs> and then it's like this guy, Chesa, who's like a very stiff and wooden presence. And wood tends to burn when it's exposed to fire. And, you know, he does not have uh, the political uh, suaveness that many of the other people here in San Francisco mm. have. And um, and he just wasn't able to carry it off. Mm. Uh, every time something happens, you're, it was, you know, it's it's not an unusual thing for some parolee to commit a crime and then sud- and and people get angry. But whenever you have a liberal DA, it becomes you know a um, it becomes kind of like a, a petri dish test case of 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 not locking everyone up and throwing away the key. Right. So you had a case here in San Francisco where a guy who'd been repeatedly arrested on property crimes uh, drove high on drugs and while committing you know, while have, you know, believe in a stolen car and he killed mm. people. And everyone said, oh, if only he'd been locked away, this wouldn't have happened. And of course, that's true. But, you know, you can't know that somebody who was arrested on property crimes was going to kill people in a car. If he had fallen asleep in his apartment building while smoking a cigarette and burned it to the ground, you could have made the same claim. Hmm. So, you know, we always talk about if only we'd locked these people away, they wouldn't have committed the crime they committed. Here during COVID times, you could say because he's locked away, people could have died. But nobody cares about that. Once people are locked away, nobody gives a damn about them. So it became, you know... The fact is, is that it was a very complicated case with lots of people at fault and, you know, very complicated interlapping systems. But that that doesn't play. So it became if we'd have locked him away, he wouldn't have committed right. the crime. And so like that's the kind of uh, mindset that we had here. And people are just frustrated because San Francisco doesn't work. And what's more, San Francisco is a wealthy yes. city that it doesn't work for the people that, you know, that need it to work. But most of the wealthy people, they don't need it to work. Everything's fine <laughs> for them. But during the pandemic, people needed it to work and it mm. wasn't. And what's more, you know. The dysfunction and misery and, and crime is so obvious to see. There's yeah. rampant drug dealing and death and misery and homelessness and shit and filth. And that's, you know, it's just a bad look. And it makes people feel terrible. Separate, you know, people don't stop and think it must be terrible to be one of those people. But that's, you know, that's taking things a step further. Heaven now, forbid we have empathy. Yes, but also that's not the DA's deal. Right. You know, all of these things are under the aegis of the mayor. And so the amazing jujitsu here was that the mayor got... The district attorney, uh, he was a human shield for two years, and mm. then he was recalled for largely for things that, like, you know, are under the aegis of the mayor. Homelessness, street conditions, that's under the aegis of the mayor. Crime, insofar as someone controls crime, the police department works for the mayor. These are all, you know, these are all things that are not the DA's purview. Could he have prosecuted drug dealers more heavily? Of course he could have. But the fact of the matter is, Every bit of statistical evidence shows you you can lock them up and throw away the key and more Absolutely. people come. That's what the drug war Absolutely. was. And, so, and tell me about the mayor herself. I mean, she from I was speaking to NATO about this earlier. I didn't know that she like didn't fully fund his office and like sort of I mean, Ch- Chase's office like that 
that there were a lot of vacancies and um, maybe didn't support him in the ways that she needed to. I'm sure that that argument could be made. I'm sure that lots of people uh, felt the pinch during the pandemic. Uh, the mayor played a savvy game here. Mm-hmm. If you if you uh, if you consider this all a political mm-hmm. game, she outplayed him. If uh, we're talking about real world conditions and who suffered, then it's not a game anymore. But certainly the mayor is a better politician and advised by better politicians than Chase Boudin. Mm-hmm. Chase Boudin decided he wanted to have the people who are speaking for his office and representing him to be true believers. Uh, more power to him, but that's not necessarily what's going to win you a political war, right. especially when you're up against the most savvy kneecappers and rat fuckers in the city. And that's who came out after him, and they beat him handily. Yeah. Two things, real quick. Yeah. One, if Chase Boudin ever runs for office again, his slogan should be Chase Boudin is not Batman. <laughs> um, second, I wonder if if there's a lot of numbers of what the turnout was like for this election. I haven't lived in California a very long time, but one thing that I've seen is that um largely the republican party in the state is useless but they're really good at getting people recalled mm. so I'm, I'm wondering if uh if the turnout was very good here or if that was something that may have gotten exploited well the turnout in san francisco was partic- was was good by midterm election standards it was mm. about 46 percent. normally you're looking at 30 33 percent in an election like this so a lot of us uh, and myself included describe the election return as paltry in the first day and, and that was not correct. Uh, it ended up being low by, you know, intuitive standards, but not low by historical standards. 46% is a pretty good chunk of people. Yeah. Now it will be much higher. It will be a different electorate in November. Um, so, you know, if Chase Boudin wants to run again in November. Uh, Which he can. It's not, it's not out of the question. It's right. not out of the question. Now, it would be difficult for him if the mayor appoints somebody who, who complicates things, uh, who is not, you know, a, a blood and thunder lock cup them and stuff them type person, but I'm guessing getting ahead of yourself. To Mike's question, um, it doesn't take much to get a recall onto the ballot if you have unlimited boatloads of cash, as was the case here. Uh, so that's why they call this the Republican funded recall. But, you know, by all means, like you can't get much done in San Francisco if only Republicans are for it because mm-hmm. that's, you know, a, a small sliver of the population. Mm-hmm. So since, since in this case it was a 55-45 election when all things were said and done, plenty of Democrats voted to recall Chase of right. So, you know, I mean, this is this is something that uh, lots of people felt this way, um, and many of them had their own reasons for it. Uh, I cannot, on my own, see a compelling reason why this should have happened, uh, separate and apart from a regular election. That, to me, is 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 difficult for me mm. to fathom. It's different than the Board of Education, which we recalled earlier this year. I can come up with explanations for why that should have happened. I wouldn't want these people choosing the next superintendent. I feel like there were ways that they uh, uh, fell down on the job that that aren't uh, that don't re- require you know um, uh, bogus statistical arguments, etc. But in this case, you know, if you don't like the guy, don't vote hmm. for the guy. Uh, a recall, a recall is something you know separate and apart from that. And in San Francisco, it's a very low uh, bar and to get it onto the uh, throughout the all ballot, of California too. Of I mean, this is sort of it's the recall. I mean, how many times is fucking Newsom gonna get recalled or like gonna get attempted to be recalled? Um, it's, this is something that voters, I mean, our elected officials need to look into in terms of changing, um, the, and we tried that in here in San Francisco and that was voted down because as you would expect, um, on a, on, on the same ballot as a popular recall, you should not run a, a, a ballot measure <laughs> trying to rein in recalls. If they had done that when Gavin Newsom was getting recalled, then that would have been the thing. Right. To do. 
I mean, it's funny because these are also it's like billionaire funded, tech funded and like often Republican funded. One of the supporters of the Chase of Boudin recall campaign, um, Oberndorf, gave five point five million dollars to the Senate Leadership Fund, a super PAC that uh, supports Mitch McConnell. Of course, it's like. But voters don't seem to care about this. Voters just don't seem right. to care about this. Uh, and and those guys um, tried and failed to alter the last round of supervisorial elections and, and, and failed on every count. The same people moving the money around and getting the money failed. It's handled, like they, you know, in the last election cycle. But this time they succeeded. This was a much more straightforward thing. Right. Do you like this guy right. or not? And and more people than not said no. I guess what I'm saying is it seems like Republicans in California, like they're not strong enough to like create an agenda for themselves. I mean, I guess the agenda is just generally the corporate agenda. So they're not like building anything, but they're definitely fucking up any progress that's trying to be made from the other side um, through a lot of these recalls. Um, I I guess I wanted to ask you about this. The, also the question of, you know, yeah, San Francisco is a very wealthy, incredibly, um, less every year less and less diverse i I think i had a i didn't ever have this joke but like it's like we rewarded the last black resident um you know the mayorship london breed um but it's and and obviously she's not helping she's very much a corporate democrat big real estate etc i did not vote for her um and but there is a sense that like oh, it was the Chinese and Asian American residents of San Francisco seeing the amount of um, violence against the Asian community who were then like steered that all toward Chase Boudin. Did that, was that a manufactured or sort of like a very much a lobbied group of voters or what, what happened there? And like when someone says, oh, it was the, it was the working class Chinese people that, you know, were sick of being aggressed upon, right? Like, is that a real narrative? It is, but then when you when you carry it to, and this was somehow Chase of Boudin's fault, you tend to lose steam. Certainly, right. he became the object of much rancor. Yeah. Uh, there was much more made of the fact that Chase of Boudin described the behavior of a man accused of attacking and ultimately killing an 84-year-old uh, Asian grandfather, that he used the term a temper tantrum uh, to describe the behavior right. of that man. That was there was much more made of that than the fact that the man was was charged with murder and is in fact that the murder trial is going ahead. So if you're going to give the D.A. a hard time because he used, you know, uh, inopportune language uh, as opposed to actually trying the guy for murder and the guy is incarcerated and they're throwing the entire weight of the office behind him. I don't know what to do here. Uh, You know. I don't know how many times the Asian community in San Francisco needs to wake mm. up because everybody keeps saying that, like, they've finally woken up. We finally woken the sleeping giant. Mm. I don't understand. We elected an, a Chinese-American mm-hmm. mayor twice, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and the, Ch- the Chinese community was, was very pivotal in that. We've elected a lot of Chinese-American candidates. Chinese people in the last decade, last generation, have been a pivotal voting yeah. block. You cannot win citywide without, mm. without appealing to the Chinese-American voters and without appealing to the Asian-American voters writ yeah. large. So I think this is more about a subset of Chinese voters who are who are leaning more conservative. Right. And uh, there are. So we'll see how this how this plays out in November. Mm. There are going to be, you know, more right leaning Chinese candidates running for supervisor districts, et cetera, hoping to hoping to use the recall as a wedge issue, which is kind of funny because it's something that actually our supervisors have no say in. 
But, you know, our supervisors might root for the Dodgers or, or enjoy stepping in shit or other things that people don't like. Uh, but it doesn't really have much to do with municipal government. So uh, so we'll see how that plays out. But certainly, you know, um, the Chinese community voted oversize on uh, the Board of Education mm-hmm. recall. I'm not certain that was the case. And I will have to go back and review the, uh, the numbers here. I'm not certain that was the case with the, with 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 uh, with, uh, with Chasen, mm-hmm. but certainly he polled very poorly yeah. uh, with with Asian American voters. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm just you know as a former resident of SF, like I think there is just a lot of you know, and someone who's Chinese, like the, as much as I think the anti-Asian violence is really important, I also think there's a whole ton of anti-black racism in the Asian community that, and, and like, and conservative leanings in the Asian community and like um, sort of, um, so it's not, it's not just about race. It's definitely about like class and who is calling, who are the homeowners uh, in San Francisco, et cetera. So. If if you're going to say that Chase Boudin didn't hold hands and didn't, and didn't present an emotional case and didn't have a good bedside manner, then he's guilty Mm. of that. If you're going to make the case that he tolerated anti-Asian violence, the statistics fall apart and they fall apart mm. quickly. Uh, one of the cases that was used as a, as a highlight that he wasn't uh, carrying this out, wasn't taking it seriously, was a man who said that the uh, victim services never called him and that he was abused by somebody and he was struck with a baseball bat. And it was actually in the news that he was struck with a baseball this. bat. Well, it turns out that he was called multiple times by the victim services. It turns out that he stuck his nose into, uh, into uh, a situation that he probably shouldn't have where he was upset that a man in a wheelchair and that man's son were riding, uh, that man's son was riding a bicycle on the pavement and an argument ensued. And then he was struck by an 11 year old with a wiffle ball yes. bat. That's not the same as being struck with a baseball bat by uh, an right. adult. And the people who are drumming for Casey Boudin's recall and ouster and, and crucifixion, et cetera, uh, seem to play around the fact that this 11 year old could have been tried for this. So you're getting into crazy territory. Yeah. And what we have here, you know, is getting very close to, uh, to malicious prosecution. Mm. Uh, it, it was a bad faith effort. Absolutely. Here. So, you know, uh, certainly Chase Boudin did not politically live up to the task. He did not ease the nerves of a put upon community that really, you know, the statistics in San Francisco were bad. I don't know quite what to make of it, but one tenth of all reported anti-Asian hate crimes took place in this city. So certainly a lot is taking place. Uh, this to me reads like something is skewed in the numbers, but you know, who needs to parse it? Bad things are right. happening. So certainly Chase of Boudin, who, you know, again, could have done things better politically, uh, could have, you know, been more of, of a, of a calming presence. As far as the comportment of his office, hate crime charges are difficult. Yeah. You don't just randomly throw those around. And if you're parsing between someone being prosecuted for murder, prosecuted for assault or prosecuted for murder and a hate crime, it, it strikes me as, as, it strikes me as being a bit too much. I mean, it's, and it's super, I appreciate your nuance, Joe. I I really do because I don't think it is straightforward. And I think you're seeing, yeah, if, if police are not, you know, uh, making arrests for, um, and and we're not like the amount of break-ins of cars is insane. Like it is, it's a laughable level, right? Like after moving Mm -hmm. to LA and you're like, Oh, I don't have to worry about a pen being in view in my car. Thank God. Whereas like an SF, you absolutely do. Um, and it is well, I I had a first aid kit. Yeah, exactly. I don't blame it on. No, no. So, but, but right. 
But this is nothing it's new. Nothing... I mean, when I was an editor at San Francisco Magazine, no. you know, one of my favorite uh, writers, John Giliardi, kept pitching a story about like break-ins to us. And we had to put him through such a rigmarole, had to put him through such a rigmarole to make this into like a new story that was worth it because that was such an old subject matter. And that was 2016. Yeah, yeah, mm. absolutely. So like, this is not a new thing. And the fact that people don't trust the numbers because they're underreported, of right. course, they've always been underreported. Right, right, right. right. That's not a, that. That is not a valediction on the DA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't expect. Again, I ex, I expect the big Lebowski police to come out and say leads, leads, and and that's the case. <laughs> oh my God! Well, thank you so much for for breaking it all down. Is there anything anything you wanted to add or anything we missed? Yeah, you, uh, the second part of your question was about why the national media got it yes. all so wrong, and that's because to them, San Francisco is catnip. Mm. You know, mm. San Francisco is like a, an avatar for liberalism. Even a decade ago or more, people run against Nancy Pelosi in Tennessee. <laughs> I remember writing about this when I was at SF Weekly, that they have images of like dancing hippies with dirty feet. Right. And like, you know, talking about how like I'm not that kind of a, a Democrat, right. you know. And so like San Francisco is a symbol for all that. So when San Francisco votes down its progressive DA, it becomes a, a big think piece type thing. And if you're willing to overlook the way that people voted in Oakland and yep. Richmond, and Contra Costa and everywhere else in the Bay Area and willing to overlook the way they voted in Los Angeles and willing to overlook all that other kinds of things, willing to overlook the fact that we have a, a long-term sheriff ousted in, in, in no, Alameda I mean, County, looking to overlook yeah. the, all of this kind of thing all up and down the state, then yes, apparently we were sending a message to the Democrats writ large. And if you're willing to overlook the fact that Eric Adams is polling like shit, <laughs> he's obviously not a progressive, then well, certainly, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, it becomes catnip for a simplistic yes. worldview. That, that, that checks all the boxes. And if you want to um, write journalistic fentanyl about how like San Francisco has failed and how, you know, all this kind of stuff, then it becomes very easy. New York Times progressive backlash in California fuels Democratic debate over crime. California voters sent a stark message to Democrats on crime and homelessness. And then, of course, Nellie Bowles with how San Francisco became a failed city. Nellie Bowles, an heiress in her own right um, to someone who displaced a lot of San Franciscans to make a fortune. So these are stories that have come out before all the votes are even being counted. Caruso being up ahead of Karen Bass. Now he's not. Now he's very much down against Karen Bass. And he spent 40 fucking million dollars on this campaign here. Um, you got two city council members, progressive city council members we had on the show, Eunice Hernandez and uh, Hugo Soto-Martinez, Who've been win- who won essentially? I mean, ballots are still being counted, but it's going to be a lot for their opponents to make up um, for Mil- uh, Mitch O'Farrell and Gil Cedillo. So, like, it- it's funny because remember when the general election happened and everyone's like, "Nope, we Trump can't. Trump didn't win yet. Trump did. Let's everybody hold on." And then only a few months later, you know, here we are, and all- it's all been called. It's all a referendum on any mm. kind of criminal justice reform. And it's absolutely not. It's frustrating for me as a, a person who covers San Francisco and tries to do so in as factual a manner as I can that, you know, uh, facts didn't matter in this race and facts clearly don't matter in the analysis of what happened. And this is something San Franciscans would smugly make fun of people in red states for, for not believing in science and not believing in facts. So uh, facts don't matter. There's a crime wave in San Francisco and things have never been worse. Well, clearly that's not true. And I'm not going to invalidate your own personal experiences and things are bad. And and I don't have, you know, but we don't have to, we don't have to say things are as bad as they've ever been. And we don't have to say there's a crime wave when it doesn't have any statistical basis. But 
everyone's response was, yeah, but still. And they voted the way they voted. And uh, everything that uh, Francesca just said, how all the initial takes were wrong and, in fact, were 180 degrees wrong, and we can look at that, and that's actually because we actually waited for the votes to get counted, everyone's going to say, yeah, but still. Right. So there, you know, now it's going to be along the lines of the joke that Paul Krugman used to make um, during the George W. Bush years, which is that uh, uh, Bush says world flat, uh, opinions differ. Right. Uh, however, we're dealing with an absolute here. The votes say what they say. Um, San Francisco, sorry, rather, Californians sent a rather mixed message on crime insofar as they sent a message at mm. all. We don't know why people voted against Chase Boudin, and it's hard to talk to everybody. If you look at uh, polling on his policies, his policies are far more popular than right. he was. Uh, so I don't, you know, San Franciscans are not itching to like, you know, lock up petty criminals. Mm-hmm. San Franciscans are not itching to try children as adults or any of these other things that were the hallmark of tough on right. crime. We had our opportunity to do that. We voted down uh, Anne-Marie Schubert, who ran against Rob Bonda for AG. It wasn't close. Michael Schellenberger, the populist uh, pu- uh, publicity hound who ran for governor against Newsom, uh, came in in low single digits. Uh, how many think pieces? If you have the number of think pieces that guy got towards the number of votes, it has to be a crazy ratio. <laughs> so, you know, Gavin Newsom is what he is. He's not my favorite politician. He's not a substantive person. Um, you know, he has wonderful hair. Uh, he, it is he, pretty speaking, good. Of, speak, speaking of Batman, he may indeed yes. be Batman. The voice is yes. very similar, you know, but but he won handily. Yeah. And that's not not necessarily to say Gavin Newsom is a great politician, but it speaks to the quality of the people running against him, right. and speaks to how well they resonated with the state of California, which is not well. And, and the, so, you know, that's the message. The same thing I feel about, you know, Karen Bass, you know, it's like, yeah, she's promising even more police in LA, which we do not need. Um, but I will be fucking damned if Rick fucking owner of the Grove and charging me $8 for parking Caruso motherfucker. Like $8 sounds downright paltry here in San Francisco. Right, exactly. Wait, but it's a shopping mall. You're about to spend money in his goddamn establishment, motherfucker. Like how many Wetzel's pretzels could I have bought with that money? Um, no, but okay. Joe Eskenazi, we got to leave it there. Thank you so much for, for coming on. Please um, come back. Um, and everybody, that's up to you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Everybody check out Joe on the socials at ESKSF. Uh, follow his writing on Mission Local. Um, thank you so much for, for explaining all that to us. Thank you. Um, it, it was it, I was listening to the whole thing. It was a good Hell show. yeah. I appreciate it, Joe. Take care. And open mic, we got, we got one more segment. One more segment yes, to do, do. and uh, potentially get you in the bonus, but I understand it is Father's Day and you got kids. So let's do... This final little segment, I think we have our interstitial here. Do we? Yeah, we do we? I don't see. Yeah, we do. Um, so Juneteenth, obviously, um, uh, a day of celebration of emancipation um, when uh, General Order 3, I believe, reached Galveston, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, not because... And this is sort of the thing we're now learning. Like, not it wasn't like, oh, well, we're just traveled super slow back then. <laughs> like everyone's on horseback. Like, <laughs> no, it's because fucking slave owners yeah. in Texas they weren't they weren't rushing to inform. <laughs> they were like, we're just what they considered their property. Yeah, know? exactly. We're gonna sit on this information and not let our so-called property know, not let people know that they are actually free. Um, so. Yeah, it was. And so a general had to basically come and be like, yeah, you got it. This is this is over. 
It's it's been you gotta cut this you gotta shit, cut out. This shit yeah. out. It's been two years now, three years, I believe. Um, so that's Juneteenth. Here we are. And uh, a lot of corporations are trying to get hip to this new holiday. They don't really know how to play it, but they know they've got to sell something during it. So I want to ask everybody, which is the fake and which is the real Juneteenth flub? So this is about corporate corporate woke washing, if you will. Um that's the nastiest sounding term I ever heard. Woke washing. <laughs> woke washing. It's, it's the time I like. I don't love to hate on the word woke. I don't love to uphold the word woke. But I do like the word woke washing. That that compound. You like it. Like, I think it's a good way to describe the way a lot of corporations. It's like greenwashing where they're like, you know, 5% of our bottles are from plastic are from plants, you know? <laughs> and this is like, you know, we really care about the legacies of slavery. Now buy this car. Um, so there's a few things that happened and a lot of these are no longer uh, searchable or findable because uh, they were quickly discovered to be maybe um, tone deaf or a little bit tasteless. They got woke lashed. They got woke lashed, <laughs> exactly. So I want to ask you, um, Mike, what what of these and everybody, which of these is fake and which of these is real? Um, here we go. A Juneteenth T-shirt for sale featuring a white model that says something like 1865 is my Independence Day. Ooh, that's rough. Yeah. Um, a video game company calling a black, red, and green nameplate uh, Bonobo. Oh, no. That's not a good idea. Um, a Pan-African Sara Lee pound cake. So different colors. I see. Uh, a Juneteenth ice cream flavor. And Juneteenth undies. So we're saying only one of these. One of these is fake. Is fake. God, what a world. T-shirt with a white model. Real. This bonobo nameplate. Pan-African pound cake. Juneteenth ice cream, Juneteenth undies. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna um, go with the one that I think um, is impossible. <laughs> so I'm I'm gonna go with with white model Juneteenth t-shirt. Okay. I'm gonna go with. Okay, that. Let me, I want to see what the chat has to say about this. Let's see if if people agree. Okay, we got pound cake. We got t-shirt. Matt Gates on a Ford Bronco says undies. Um, the undies I could see. I could actually see undies happening because <laughs> black people do wear underwear. Stop. So I could see some company being like, hey, let's get some of that black dollar. <laughs> you know, um, someone says Brandy Rubel says they saw ice cream in the ice cream in, in uh, Walgreens today. Walmart. I thought it was Walmart, I, but it could be Walgreens as well. Yes. OK, well, here we go. So. You are correct about oh, thank underwear. God. Okay, oh, okay. Underwear. Peace, exists. love, yep, Juneteenth. It exists. You're right. Yeah. Um. That's not. Nobody wants that by their genitals. <laughs> nobody like like. There's no holiday that people really want on their underwear. No, no. It's not I mean, like that's. Yeah. I'm like Halloween. I, there's nothing I want really on my underwear. I don't even. I don't want like. 
words. You don't want a political statement. No, I don't want any of that. You know, you wouldn't even want like your name on them. Like there just doesn't need to be letters spelling out anything. Rip off every tag also because that's uncomfortable as shit. They they scratch Uh it. Um, the ice cream, absolutely real. From Uh great value. Great value indeed. Now, can I just say this flavor sounds really good though? Swirled red velvet cheesecake. Sounds a little intense for me, but I imagine some people will probably enjoy it. Like, at least it wasn't chocolate. I don't know. Would that have been, like, more tone deaf? Yes. Yes, it Okay, would. there we go. Yes, it would. So, there's like a, it's a picture of uh, uh, two hands high-fiving. One of them is Captain Marvel, apparently. Yes. Which one? The, the, with the cabal? The one with the star. I think that's the, the, the Juneteenth, like, official symbol. Is that not? Really? I didn't get the memo that we had a symbol. Yeah, well... I didn't know. Better get up on it. Um, okay, so underwear is real. Ice cream is real. The nameplate bonobo is a real thing. This oh, is yeah. from mm-hmm. the company, I think, 343 that does Halo something, something. Yeah. Whatever that game is called. And it was like, oh, hey, change your colors to, you know, red, black, and green. And we're going to call it bonobo. I got to tell you. I got to tell you. That was the one I was least surprised really? by. Really? <laughs> Absolutely. Because all of these these games that are games as service where you have to like they sell content, basically they have to have new content right. in their store every day. Those people don't know things. <laughs> they just make stuff and throw it up. You know, like th- I'm surprised it wasn't far worse. <laughs> totally. Right. And they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll get three dollars off of this. Just change your colors. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Nobody knows what a bonobo is. We do. We've seen Planet of the Apes, the reboot, and it was good. Um, it was good. And let's see the thing that you can't believe. No, the Juneteenth is my 1860. Ah, no, that hurts. With this, that like, hurts to look at. Very thin, kind of, like white blonde model. She's got her hands in her pockets, oh. and she's just like, "Yes, oh Juneteenth is my 1865." And also, look at how bad that Photoshop is. Like, they just put a square image on the front of that shirt. Yeah. Like, they didn't try to make it look real at all. Yeah. That being said, <sighs> bituationroom.com is where you can buy my shirts. And there is a random model. There was for a while wearing one of the shirts. And that was definitely a Photoshop job. Um, but yeah. the Sara Lee pound cake was uh, something That's that I thing. actually, that was an invention by me. There is, I mean, that there's no pan. I mean, it does kind of work. Like I would eat that and I would buy that. I wouldn't buy it. Um, I, I would, I would, you know, if, if I, if somebody told me they were having it, I wouldn't go to their house, but I could see it being a viable product is what I think I'm trying to say. <laughs> I could see it existing. First of all, Sarah Lee pound cake is undefeated. I haven't had it in years, but it really is just like, once you eat that, you're like, mm, that's it. Um, mm. got to have some berries with it. Uh, I could just imagine it being like red, green, and black. Very funny. But so these are the misses. Any last words, open mic? What could be like a hit? Uh, not, a not corporate hit, maybe. I don't know. Reparations. <laughs> yeah, I mean that'd be great. <laughs> like you know, like if 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 they did reparations and they gave out red, black, and green bills, but they were still legal tender, I'd be okay <laughs> with that. Cool. I'd be all right with that. That sounds great. Do it. The Fed. <laughs> Janet Yellen is that her name at this point, right? I I can't. Come keep on, track. Janet. 
Do it. <laughs> Red, black, and green dollar bills. But make them count. Don't, you know, don't play us. Don't give us. No, exactly. It's got to be the full size and uh, full amount TBD, um, depending. Mm -hmm. Um, Open mic. Thank you so much for being on this show. Thank Um, you for having me. This has been so much It's been so good. If you can stick around for the bonus, we will be doing a bonus about uh, drag queens triggering the right and uh, drag shows for kids and uh, drag storytelling times and all the other things that sound actually really fun. Um, but until then, everybody follow Open Mike Eagle on the socials. What is your handle? Uh, at Mike underscore Eagle, M I K E underscore Eagle on the Hell Twitter. Yeah. Follow him, listen to his yeah. podcast, find him, listen to his music. How can we hear your music? Oh, just put me into Spotify. I'm already in your phone. I'm already there. Just put my name in and I'll start rapping at you. (laughs) Okay, I love that. (laughs) And you will get 0.05 cents. Every every red, black, and green fraction of a penny counts. (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) All right, Mike. Be well. I'll see you. Thank you so much for doing the show. See you next time. And thank you guys for being here for, for all the good people, for all the chats, for all the things. Um, uh, uh, or, um, or, um, I want to read some of your comments real quick. I've got them over here. Um, Gary Cooper on YouTube says the interesting part of the Bobert story is that she apparently met Ted Cruz through that paid escort service. And then he contributed a lot of money to her congressional campaign. <laughs> I know I was going to do a deep dive into this story, but I decided I wanted to have an appetite after. Um, so, but I definitely think they fucked. I definitely think they fucked. Um, thank you, Joel, uh, Joel Elizaiah Lecchio uh, Johnson for your super sticker. Appreciate it. What's up, NATO Green? He's in the chat. Camperman 5000, Russia Gator. Is that like Nile Crocodile? Yes. Russia Gator is exactly like that. Um, Todd Roy saying people have to put their aside their feelings on Assange. It's about liberties being taken away. It's awful what's being done to him. A slow torture to the death of an award-winning journalist. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, Uncle Phil 2 Case on YouTube says I'd sooner vote for the fly on Pence's head than vote for Pence. Um, Hippie Spot on Twitch says if, if anything is giving me memory issues, it was running my car into a moose a month ago that had me fucked up. I don't know what that's in reference to, but I really like that comment. Um, uh, let's see. Hef, thank you so much for the super chat. says, I've been angry for two weeks. Now that you're back, Fran, it's just melted away. No, no, it's back again. January 6th hearings. <laughs> um, thank you. for. I, I would love to melt all the anger away. I am the anger eater. I eat it and I spit it out in rainbows. I'm angry all the time, too. I, I just perform not angry because it's part of my job. Um, Auntie Fa on Twitch says, this Joe fellow is hilarious. What a great guest. Thank you so much. Yeah, he is awesome. And NATO says that he he's known Joe for 20 years and never seen him in a tie. And that was a San Jose Sharks tie, all right? Act like you know. Um, and uh, thank you guys so much for everything. And with that, just a big thanks. With a fart song. Why not? You earned it. 
Uh, we had a lot of new patrons last two weeks ago, and I super appreciate y'all. Uh, at $10 or more, thank you. KJS, thank you. WM, welcome. Mark H, welcome. You got that long part, Mark? Robert R, thank you so much. Welcome to the Frantifa. Shell Shoe, welcome to the Frantifa. Arouge, I love you, Arouge. How are you? Thank you for being a patron. You're amazing. You're wonderful. Old comrade in the struggle. Uh, Ryan B, thank you for becoming a patron. Zach B, thank you. Jeff O, thanks so much. To the Twitch subs, Harry Balsich, JJ Jesper82, Rosalba14, Fluffy Robot123, Johnny Appleseed Walker, Hippie Spot, Frank Morning Tree, High Anxiety Dragon, Girl, uh, <laughs> Hamma the C1G, Adam DeBomb, or Adam Bomb, and Calope Dragon. Thank you guys so much for resubscribing. I know those, those uh, ads are rough on Twitch, but it's worth it. You t- just kick me some Bezos bucks. And remember, I do a Twitch stream for TYT every Wednesday, 1 to 3 p.m. Pacific, called the Twitchuation Room. No relation. Uh, and thank you to the people who work on the show, to Paige Omek, to Maximilian Inhoff, to Alexandra Orness. We will be back next Sunday. We stream every Sunday, 5, 8 Eastern, um, on YouTube, on Twitch, at Franny Fio. Um, remember, you can also tip the show on Venmo, uh, TBR-Live, Cash App, TBR-Live. I'll be doing the bonus episode with all you Frantifa in a little bit. Let's talk about drag, people. Let's talk about it. And until then, fight the power, fuck the patriarchy, and don't just bitch about it. Be about it, y'all. Bye! Bye!